Welcome back to the Mysteria podcast. I'm Marcus De Silva, and joining me today is one Mr. Jeff Martinson. How you doing? Good. Nice Hello. to see you. It's been. Uh, I think it's. Been, I think the last time I saw you would have been for the four by four by forty eight. I think. That's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're doing it for the one leg there. It was a lot of fun. It was actually fun for me because you were running a lot quicker than I was, and it was. Uh, you were a good pace setter for me for that one. <laughs> right so i think today we'll um well first of all before we get into it tell us what it what it is that you do for a living right now uh yeah so i'm a a clinical pharmacist at st paul's hospital i primarily cover the the general surgery ward but from time to time i I cover other wards as well internal medicine heart function clinic that kind of stuff so um yeah pharmacist and how long have you been at that position right now? I mean, I, I, I've been with the hospital for a few years now. I graduated in 2018 and done a hospital residency for a year after that. So, so yeah, I've been at it for a few years now. And we'll come back to that. Um, I think the way that we'll do it today is we'll, uh, we'll kind of start from the beginning and we'll sort of work our way uh, to present day and we'll chit chat about some of the stuff uh, along the way there but um so right away um you were quite the runner are still but competed and all that so when did when did you sort of take a take a shine to track and 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 was it uh were you long distance yeah i mean kind of on on track uh, technically more of like middle distance um but you know, it's kind of sort of always middle distance to long distance stuff. So like 1500, 800 meter stuff on the track, but, you know, always did cross country and, um, you know, it's even nowadays like, you know, 10 K half marathon kind of stuff. And when, when was it when you started? Cause you, you ran at university, but prior to that, uh, when did you, start getting competitive with the running? Um, you know, I guess in high school, really, it's um, kind of like, I, you know, I did other sports growing up too. And always sort of ran like, you know, even in elementary school did like, you know, the relays on the track and did cross country. And, uh, but I think, I think really in high school, you know, I, I think I made like my summer games team I don't know, grade eight or so. And, and that was kind of my first experience of bigger competition, um, sort of provincial competition on the track. And so I think that was kind of really what started off for me. And also, at, you know, around that time, um, you know, I was sort of less, becoming less good at the other sports I was playing, <laughs> sort of becoming, you know, much better at running. Um, so just that natural ability started to kick in and, so it sort of gravitated to to running more as I was just having success with it. And where'd you go to high school? Uh, so, I mean, I grew up in Prince George. So I, I did uh, grades 8 to 10 at Lakewood and then 11, 12 at uh, Prince George um, Senior Secondary School. How, how'd so, you not find... senior, but sorry, secondary school. PGSX. Okay. How'd you find Prince George? Because it's uh, for people who don't know, it's it's quite a compared to Vancouver, it's quite a small <laughs> city. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's uh, 
Yeah, I mean, it was good. It, it was fine. It's, um, you know, one of the bigger cities in the north, or I should just say north of Vancouver in Lower Mainland. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a good place to grow up. Like, there's, you know, it's uh, there's lots of outdoors stuff. There's, I don't know, think, think enough. There's sports. There's, you, you kind of have everything that a city has. So it's, yeah, no, it's, it's a good place to grow up, I found. Um, it's, I think it's given me a lot of good perspective, you know, now where I live in, you know, a place like Vancouver, it's, it's always sort of funny to me, sort of just meeting people who've never left Vancouver and lower mainland. They <laughs> really don't have a concept of what it's like to live in a smaller city and the kind of stuff that we deal with in, you know, most of Canada, but, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sort of unique down here in Vancouver, but. So yeah, I, I mean, I, I like growing up in Prince George. I'm always happy when I can get back there for, you know, I usually get up there once a year or so to visit my family. But uh, yeah, I like when I get to go back. And so coming to, I guess, like grade 10, 11, 12, so near the end of high school, was running your, so obviously when you were getting to, when you're going to graduate, were you thinking, because obviously with the position you're in now, you obviously would have went to university then on top of that pharmacy school and all that but was running your way of getting to a university or was it more let me get the degree and the running was kind of a bonus how did that sort of work yeah I mean graduating high school I was very focused on running you know my my goal at the time already was you know, make the Olympics, sort of make, make the highest level of, of running. Um, <clears throat> by, by the end of high school, I'd already made a, made a, you know, a national team for, uh, with the World Youth Championships. And so I was pretty focused on that. Um, so, you know, university for me was not about choosing where I'm going to get the best degree, but is, you know, where has the best running program. And uh, yeah, the degree was definitely sort of a secondary thing. Which in retrospect was, uh, you know, not the ideal way to approach it. Uh, I should have thought about it a little bit more, but, but, you know, it, it, I was, yeah, I was just very focused on sport at the time. So yeah, when, when I was, when I, finishing up high school, like I was looking at schools in in Canada and the U.S. and sort of actively being recruited by a few schools in the U.S. So. And where did you end up at university? Which one did you go to? Uh, so I ended up going to University of Victoria, uh, in Victoria, here in BC, which uh, I think for me was the right decision. Like I, I wanted to stay in Canada. Um, you know, alternatively, there's sort of the bigger NCAA schools in the U.S. And yeah, I, th I think, I don't know, it, it just, it, you know, I talked to a few of them, um, but it, it didn't really click with me. Um, I think I, at the time, too, I was sort of more comfortable sort of leaving home, but not leaving too far from home. I think that sort of factored in, but, you know, Victoria also had the, one of the national sports centers there. So they, in addition to the, the UVic varsity team, which is already really good for middle distance running, which is what I was doing at the time. Um, they had a, you know, a group of national team athletes, you know, sort of our top middle distance athletes in the country were right there. So I, uh, you know, I really felt that that was going to be a place where I'd have the best opportunities um, for advancing my own running career. And what was it, you brought that up actually before I even asked, it, I was reading my mind there, but um, what was that like? I mean, so Victoria, you know, it's, 
it's you know decently far away from Prince George, but not so far away, you know that it's. I mean, what what would that be like a four hour drive or maybe a bit more from Prince George? Yeah. Oh, Marcus, you really haven't left the Lower Mainland. Well, I went it's, to England. I don't know about Canada. <laughs> no, it's, it's about, uh, what, you're about nine hours drive from Prince George to Vancouver, and then you got another ferry ride, so a few, like two hours over. So altogether, it's, it's like a 13-hour trip if you're going to drive, um, or if, you know, if you're flying, it's uh, hour 45 or so. So what but you're it, saying actually, is brush up on my geography skills? <laughs> Yeah, you're driving much faster than the, the speed limit <laughs> yeah. in four hours. Yeah. No, but uh, but I think the big thing was, um, you know, Victor Victoria's it's is much smaller, obviously, than Vancouver and you know a lot of places in the Lower Mainland. And uh, you know, I think like I don't want to throw out numbers in case I'm wrong. People are fact checking me watching <laughs> this. But, but I mean, the core of Victoria itself, this city is it's it's actually not that big a population. So it, it wasn't really a big jump from Prince George. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I really like, I actually, it's um, gone down to Victoria. It's been in like grade eight or something like that for our provincial cross country championship. So I'd been down there before and um, I, I just loved it there. Like I, I just fell in love with like the sort of charm of Victoria. Yeah, v Victoria felt very comfortable when I, when I moved there. And I guess it gave you enough freedom to, to, well, and, and let me ask you, so how busy would you have been during that? And you were there for four years? Yeah, I, it took me five years to do my degree. And then I, I actually ended up staying for another five years after that, um, just to continue running and training there. But, but yeah, it was five, five years to do the a biochemistry degree. Mm -hmm. And how busy because I mean, I imagine you would have been quite busy between, well, and taking a science degree too. I mean, I, I've been in arts, that was my kind of whole education. So there, it's a quite a big difference even between a science degree and an arts degree, just as far as the, the time commitment, plus running on top of the degree that you're doing. So how was that whole experience as far as, you know, time management and, and making sure that you're performing optimally at your running and the degree and yeah you know I mean I think the good thing about university and and sports is that you know your your workload with school is very flexible to what you need for for training you know since you you you, you don't usually have too many hours of like actual class time and then a lot of it's spent studying so you know how you structure that studying around your your training is it's it's really flexible. Um, but, you know, I think more than that, like for me where, you know, with, with running and being on the varsity teams, like the, the teams were, you know, my close group of friends. So, you know, the time spent doing that, you know, it was, it was work, but it was also social. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I never felt like I was missing out on anything, you know, by having to go to practice or whatever. So I think that it made it a lot easier. Like it never, you know, even though it took up, a lot of time it, it never felt like a sacrifice like I was missing on something else so so in that regard like you know balancing my time between school and running was was pretty easy because it sort of yeah like I say it was flexible but it also uh, it was it was enjoyable to be a practice so 
Well, when you're focused and you enjoy, you know, sounds like you enjoyed that, you know, it, it's different, right? Some, for some people, it's quite a chore because they, you know, maybe their heart really isn't in it. And so it just becomes more of a burden at some point, you know, they'd rather go to the, you know, the frat parties or whatever, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, much easier than if you if you had to actually work like a part time job or something on the side where, you know, it's something you might not necessarily want to be at, but you're obligated to put in that time. Like, um, it, it was fun to to be doing the running thing on the side. Mm-hmm. With your, uh, how many people on the running team on the varsity team? Well, we, you know, Uvic was kind of unique in that we really just had sort of a middle distance and long distance running team like you know compare that to um you know university of alberta where they would have like a full track team of you know all the field event athletes and you know sprinters and so you you makes kind of unique like that so with that said like i don't know maybe 20 to 30 people total like between the men and the women so it kind of it's a smaller group but it, it also meant it was you know more of a close-knit group and we all kind of had common, you know, we all, we all did the same events basically. So. And I don't, uh, I don't know a whole lot about track. So I may ask you some questions to you that are like dumb questions, but to me, it's like, I actually don't know. But um, as far as now, are you in competition with the people in your team or is it really, you basically just compete against the other universities? Yeah, with, you know, with track and, and, and running, like, for the most part, it is an individual sport, but, um, you know, in the university system, like, you know, say if you're doing cross country, um, you know, there are team scores as well. So you, you are in that sense, um, you know, you're competing for an individual ranking, but you're also com- uh, competing for a team ranking as well. So you do run as a team in that regard. And, you know, even in for the track championships, like, you know, you have relays. So that in that, in those cases, you know, you're definitely just competing as, as a team. Um, but, but no, otherwise you, you do have to compete against your sort of teammates. It's, you know, sometimes that's not just in the races, but sometimes that's, you know, trying to get a spot on like the varsity squad going to nationals or something like that. So, you know, I, I there is that component in which I, I, I don't think anyone totally liked that having to compete against your friends. Uh, but, but the nice thing is you do get opportunities to compete together too. So I think that's why a lot of, a lot of people really enjoy cross country season, say Juve, cause, cause it's sort of that one time when you really get to be more team focused. Well, and that's a good point too, because they're your friends, like you're actually yeah. friends with them, you know, like what's unique about that compared to, you know, more traditional team sports, like, you know, football, hockey, basketball, whatever, where there really isn't, I mean, there's like friendly competition in practice, but there's no room for competing against a, you know, a teammate when you're on the ice. It doesn't make sense. You compete against the other team and that's about it. But does that create, like, would that ever create um, just kind of like a bit of an odd dynamic because you you are having to, in some ways, compete against friends? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. You, you definitely can get that, um, you know, and that's, that that's in, you know, university that's, you know, even when you're say at the, you know, national international level, like you're competing, you might be competing against guys you train with every day for, for funding or, you know, for limited spots on a national team. 
Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it's sort of just an unfortunate reality of it. That, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, everyone's friends until you, you <laughs> have to compete and you kind of have to just set that aside. And, you know, it's, it's not personal, but I, I know from, you know, experience that sometimes it does get personal, <laughs> but, uh, you know. As good competition should be. <laughs> yeah. Depends on your depends on your perspective, I suppose. Yeah, certainly some athletes take it a little personal. But. And with that, so you're you're doing, so you're running, you're you're competing, and so in a in a given year, so you're there for five for for with that particular UVic. Would each year, because then I, I guess, would your the level of competition or the actual competitions that you would be entering would that change from year to year? Because I'd imagine from you know first year would look different than you know second, third, etc. Yeah, with uh, you know with like track and cross country and at least in like Canadian University, um, there's just sort of one one class it's, it's there's not like um i don't know like tiers of you know, competition so um so in that sense you know from your first year to your last year you know you might compete the same sort of canadian university nationals but i, I you know for me it was is more like outside of the university competition especially in the summer season when like so universities finished for the year um, sort of focusing on, I guess, the, the non-university competitions, you know, be it like provincial, national, and, you know, trying to get into international competitions. So, you know, where first, you know, maybe earlier on in my career, the folks was trying to get to nationals and trying to do well there, sort of as, a, as I progressed, it became, you know, trying to make international competitions and make national teams and, from like first to fifth year kind of onwards, just trying to um, like, is more beyond university, I guess, trying to progress my running, um, make national teams. And when you're, when you're not in uh, university, so during like the summer breaks, um, is the burden on you to find coaches and uh, enter competitions or is there any, um, guidance or any help from the university even off term time so at uvic um the answer is no like um you know our our sort of university team had so it sort of carried on throughout the summer like um we just changed our focus um at some universities that wouldn't be the case like when school is over like you, you go back to training with like your club team or whatever so it was kind of, I mean, UVic may be a bit unique like that. Like after my first couple of years, sort of in the, more in the summer, um, I would sort of focus more on training with the, the like national center group that was located in Victoria. Um, so I, I always kind of had support um, through that. Like I always sort of had a plan. I, it wasn't... Um, you know, this season was not quite as, maybe not as structured as university. Like in university, there's just like certain competitions you, you always do and you know when, when they are. Whereas in the summer season, um, you know, you, you kind of have to structure your own season. But, but I, I still had a group that I would train with and yeah, sort of ha had that support there. 
but that that is a bit unique to Victoria's running scene, and, and not all, you know, not all university athletes would have had that kind of support. So I got a two-part question. <clears throat> uh, was the as far as so obviously you're you're running, you're training, competing. So the physical side is pretty obvious. Uh, did the university, or maybe not the university, but through the varsity team, would, would they train you or educate you specifically on the mental aspect? And that's part one. And then part two is, were you just as an individual, were you ever interested in that mental side of things? Or was it just more, you know, nose to the grindstone and let's just, let's just run, let's just go. I definitely think the, you know, like that sort of like psychological component in sport. I mean, I would say it's not like, uh, you know, always sort of there. I, I think we're always sort of aware of it, but there's not like, you know, at, maybe at the varsity level, we don't necessarily have like a sports psychologist involved all the time. You know, whereas some, some athletes maybe at a higher level would, you know, for me personally, like, you know, I probably would have benefited from something like that, but I'm also sort of like the type of person that, you know, I need to convince myself of something. I don't really feel like I respond very well to like external sort of psychological motivation. Like I feel like I'm not the type that can listen to like a motivational tape necessarily and be inspired. Like, uh, uh, like I need to sort of find that internal motivation. See, I, and what, what was the second, your second question? I, I, I'm not sure. I think I might have not addressed that. I think you did. Just basically, just as far as your own personal interest in developing that psychological toughness. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I would say, like, I, I think probably like throughout my career, I went through phases of sort of reframing how I approach certain things, um, you know, uh, from like a, I guess it's hard, it's hard to say like, you know, there's different aspects to it, right? Like, you know, mental toughness, like, I, I mean, I think uh, to a sense I, you know, just had that, I think that's sort of innate for a lot of people, um, you know, it's just, it's there or it's not. And I think for, for me, like, you know, you know, it was very easy to train and push myself and all that. Um, but I think then the other component, like there's sort of not a mental toughness, but sometimes I think you can have like, mental barriers that hold you back, whether it's like, you know, stress or external factors or sort of the way you approach, you know, say the way you approach competition or something that it doesn't allow you to sort of get the most out of yourself. And I, I think that's not always like mental toughness. Sometimes it's, you know, you're focusing on the wrong things or, you know, you know, you're, you're focusing on like, uh, something like a time or something and not letting yourself kind of just be in the the moment and sort of you're building up this external stress so like i think there's different aspects of the psychological sort of aspect of sport i guess i i, I guess to I'll just say like for you know for a lot of my career i, I didn't have i didn't uh, or nor did i really pursue like sort of like psychological sort of uh help um with with sport but I definitely did go through phases of sort of reframing how I approach competition and training. Well, listening to you answer the answer my question, it kind of I kind of knew it when I asked the question, but it is a bit of a trick question because 
the psychological and physical components of fill in the blank sport really doesn't matter. You can look at it in two ways. You can look at it as separate and you can look at it as together. I think both are actually correct, but it's just not, it's just not incorrect. You know, there really is no way of, um, you know, perfect example, right? You don't have to go to practice. You know, that's the thing or, or compete in general, like you don't have to do that. But the fact that you go and you work hard, well, obviously there's maybe more subtle aspects of motivation, determination, kind of like how you said, like framing how you view competition. So there is that relationship where it is connected, but you can also view it as separate and they can kind of help each other along the way. So yeah, so I was just curious what your answer to that would be, but yeah, having heard them like, yeah, it's a bit of a trick question. But with that, um, you mentioned like reframing and was it more reframing like the, the actual competition side of things for you or was it the actual, like the practicing and, and that whole thing too? Um, you know, for, for me, like as an example, um, you know, it's, I'd say more the competition. And so as an example, like, um, as my career progressed, um, you know, there's with, with, with track, you know, time is everything. Like you're, you're, you're always trying to meet a certain time and that's how you get funding or that's how you get onto a national team. And, um, and so, you know, there are times where I become very focused on, you know, hitting a certain time. Right. And, and the thing with the track, you know, you say, um, you take a race like the 1500 meters. So it's like three and three quarter laps around the track. Um, you know, you can, you can break down your, your time to every, you know, every lap, every 200 meters, like you can, you have the ability to sort of always know where you are in that race against time. But that can be very detrimental if you're, if you're so focused on time and, you know, you, if, if you, you hear a split that you don't like, or that, that suggests that maybe you're not on pace to, you know, run that time that you're trying to do. Like, you know, if, if you're so focused on that, you know, you can be, you're not, you're not done the race, but you're already sort of in your mind, you're starting to doubt yourself or, you know, question, question whether you can do it. Um, and that that's already going to affect your race. You know, you it's, but you know, at the end of the day, that's just a split. It's, it's a 200 meter split or a 400 meter split. Like it's not the race. And so, you know, there's time where I was very focused on that and having to sort of reframe it and think, you know, worry less about the time and just think about competing. Right. Um, so reframing is me competing against myself and the clock versus me competing against other guys. And, you know, when I, uh, for this, you know, one example, like when I started to think more about just getting out there and just competing and not really turning my brain off, um, I started to have more success because I was able to be really in the moment and, and just, yeah. And, and sort of like have fun with it again, like thinking about competing against these guys and, and with that, I actually started to run faster too. You know, the time actually, I started to meet these times because I was less worried about them and just really getting in there. And I, I didn't have any, like, I was removing this sort of mental barrier to, to like my performance. So, um, so sometimes I think, you know, it's kind of like I say, you, 
you can have this mental toughness, but if you have these sort of other like, you know, mental barriers in the way that are, you know, causing you stress or holding you back. Um, yeah. Sometimes I think just reframing how you think about things. And it was such a simple, simple switch too. like, I think, you know, I think maybe it's my coach had sort of pointed it out and, you know, just as I thought about it a bit more, like it, it came really easy. It was, it was such an easy thing sort of to fix. And so, yeah, it, it kind of, I guess it kind of really demonstrates how like, you know, you can have all this training and, uh, you know, physical training, but if, you know, psychologically you're not there, you're just, you have this barrier, like it, it doesn't, it might not matter. So they really both have to be in sync. Kobe Bryant, uh, he talks a lot about, cause what you're, what you're mentioning to me just sounds like flow. That, that's what you're kind of talking about, which is that flow state. Mm. And Kobe Bryant talked a lot about that. MJ, not so much, um, not publicly at least, but uh, Kobe, MJ, Dwayne, Wade, they all shared the same uh, trainer, Tim Grover. And they talk a lot about that. They kind of, like the way that you described it, where you're so focused on, like, because what you're describing, when you're when you're thinking about the splits or whatever, you're still running. Like, it's not like you hear the split and like you stop and you're like on the sideline and then, okay, now we keep going. Like, you're still running the whole time you're hearing that. And you become so focused on the, I guess, the, the tactical side of it that you lose focus of the strategic side, which is to win or to at least just do your best, you know, which I think is reasonable enough. Um, but that flow state, the, the actual, like the reason that you know you're in a flow state is because there's no thinking involved. And the moment that you start thinking, I'm, am I in a flow state or, oh, I'm in a flow? No, you're actually not because thinking is not part of it. So as soon as you have that, you're actually out of that moment. So that's really interesting because I think you, you described it perfectly, which it, which it is just that, like just being in the moment. And I don't want to make an assumption, but I would imagine that you probably enjoyed the competitions a lot more once you felt that you were just in the moment. I mean, it must have been much more enjoyable for you as a competitor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it is right. When you, it, uh, it takes away some of that pressure. Um, so you can really, yeah, you, you can enjoy it. Um, but yeah, it's interesting talking about like the flow state idea. Like, you know, I've heard of that sort of applied to various things like, you know, various sports or like extreme sports and whatnot, which is not, it's, it's not something I had really heard of when I was r really competitively racing, but, um, uh, you know, it's very true that like, you know, I think of a lot of my best races and, you know, from knowing, um, you know, other athletes and their best races. Well, like you, you almost, it's, it's, like, it's like, you're like blacked out. Almost. You don't remember the details of it because mm -hmm. you, you really are in, uh, what has been referred to as that flow state, right? Like you're sort of on this autopilot and like, you know, it's really interesting to think that like you, you, you know, can finish a race and you don't remember many of the details, but it's because you were, you were so, so sort of, uh, dialed in, you know, both mentally and physically that like, you, you just, you, you turned off your sort of like voluntary brain. You, you didn't have any, any inhibitions. You're just kind of on autopilot and that, you know, I've heard of that with that flow state. Um, and I definitely say there is something to that, but of course, getting into that, 
in getting into a flow state is one of the hardest things. And so I think that's, that's something where, you know, some of the best athletes have that ability to really just like dial in and, and turn off their brain, kind of just go with the, go with, go with the flow of, I guess, if you will, but mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah, there's definitely something to that. A really good book for yourself and if anyone's interested would be, I can't remember the author, but uh, the book's called The Rise of Superman. And that's uh, essentially talking about flow state for various extreme sports and athletes. So that one's a little more geared towards that, which is a, a good one. But it's funny because like I always describe it. I mean, this is sort of, you know, one of the things I've been really, well, obsessed with, I think it's fair to say, um, in the last six months in particular, which is just kind of understanding that a bit more, just because my personality is, I mean, I think pretty much, every, I mean, you, you watch a hockey game or whatever, like any professional sport, generally you'll hear the announcers at some point, not maybe not too frequently, but you'll hear it every once in a while, you know, clutch, flow, you know, optimal, you'll hear these sort of words get thrown out, but it doesn't really like, what does that really mean? And one of the things that I, I like to equate that to is if you've ever um, like outside of sport, I, mean, I think everybody's had these situations where you're out for dinner with friends and next thing you know, you've been at the restaurant for like four hours. And it's like, well, where'd the time go? Well, that's a You're in a flow state. That That's what that is. So that it doesn't have, it doesn't happen in sports. It can happen. You're playing guitar. You pick up a guitar. Next thing you know, two hours went by or 30 minutes went by, but it seems like it was a flash, but that's what that flow state is when you're just so in the moment that, you know, just kind of shuts down and, and you can just enjoy, you just enjoy doing whatever the hell it is that you're doing, mm -hmm. which is a fun place to be. That's for sure. And with that, so was that something that came along a little bit later on in your career? Um, like in the, in the five years that you were there, or was that kind of something you're always a, a bit aware of along the way? No, I mean, I think it's, you know, I th the thing with like uh, with sport is like, you know, you're always kind of, you can't, you, you, at least in, in, I'll speak for my own running career. Like there's sort of leaps and bounds, like, um, High points and low points where like you know you have one race that sort of advances your your progress and then you know you kind of from there you have to you're trying to get back to that point and you know surpass that so it's always sort of like going back and forth and um you know every time you you make a big leap you sort of have to reevaluate how you do things and so the pressures on you change like you know when you're just running in high school like you have very little pressures well depending you know some people relatively are, speaking yeah have parents or whatnot yeah. who <laughs> no factors but you know it's pretty simple and but you know you get to university and then you have a few more pressures you know you need to make varsity teams maybe you need to perform perform well at nationals um you know we get post-collegiate the stakes kind of get even higher where you know now you're you need to compete well for funding to be able to afford to keep doing what you're doing or to make national teams and where, you know, if you're spending an entire year running full time, you know, you, you better be making those teams because otherwise what the hell did you just do with your year basically? So, you know, the, the stakes get much higher. So every time you kind of advance a little, 
you always kind of have to sort of, I found, you know, reevaluate how you're doing things. And I think that's sort of the point where, you know, you have these new stressors and new, you know, new pressures. So maybe what you were doing, you know, what worked for you before, whether that's, you know, physical training or the psychological sort of approach may have worked before, but it might not work now. And so it's kind of always that constant, re, you know, reassessment of where you're at. And that reevaluation probably helps you. Well, I think you basically did say that, which is it, it helps you reevaluate those intrinsic motivations, which can, which keeps you grounded and keeps you, helps you understand why the hell it is that you're doing what you're doing, which is important. Yeah. Now you come to, so now it's the, your, your fifth year, you graduate, it was bi biochemistry. Yeah. So where, where do you go from there? What, what happens next? Uh, so when I, when I graduated, like, I, I mean, I was, you know, my goal, ultimate goal was still to make the Olympics. And so I think it was like the first year in a, the four year Olympic cycle. And so, so I, after that, I kind of went full time, you know, running like track athlete, um, that would have been around like, I don't know, 2008, 2000, 2009, I guess. So the next Olympics would have been in 2012. <clears throat> so, so yeah, I was uh, at that point, I sort of became full time with the, our, um, like, you know, national center group in Victoria and kind of split my time between um, Victoria in the fall, um, Arizona throughout the winter, and then kind of in the summers, it would be like, you know, between Canada, US and Europe, um, just looking for races. So, so yeah, that, that was kind of the point where it's like, sort of professional athlete, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, so making a lot less money than <laughs> other professional sport athletes, but um, yeah, sort of a semi-professional athlete. And how does that Arizona, how do you end up in Arizona there? Because that seems like a kind of an unusual spot between Victoria and Arizona. I guess some of the factors that made Arizona get picked is uh, so specifically Scottsdale, um, just, you know, near Phoenix. I mean, we, we would, uh, and a lot of athletes go to Flagstaff in Arizona. It's, um, it's at like 7,000 feet elevation. Ah. So go there <laughs> yeah. high altitude training. So, you know, people in my group were familiar with Scottsdale and Phoenix um, through time spent in Flagstaff. And, you know, Scottsdale is, uh, Scottsdale is, it's really nice. It's sort of, you know, the very manicured <laughs> yeah. golf courses and I don't know, condo complexes and like, it's yeah, kind of a weird place, but, uh, you know, it's quite a comfortable place to be and you have, I don't know, like three, 350 days of sunshine down there. The weather is pretty warm throughout the winter. Um, so, you know, where we have cooler, wet days in Victoria, you know, you have dry, relatively warm days in, uh, in Scottsdale. So yeah, it just, I don't know, it, it just kind of is like a familiar place. So sort of set up camp there for, for the winters. And how long were you doing, well, how long were you on that 
you know, professional, semi-professional circuit for? That was for the five years then after you graduated? Uh, so that would have been for like the three years after I graduated, kind of leading into the 2012 Olympics. And so how does that work then? Like what, what is the actual process of, uh, you kind of described it, but I guess I'll just get you to go into a little more detail. What is the actual process of getting to make the Olympics in whatever respective uh, track event? Because for most sports, you know, like for hockey, it's okay, you know, juniors, you get drafted in the NHL and you're you off and, and, and that's it. And kind of similar for, uh, you know, basketball and, and those professional sports. Yeah, with I mean, with track and field, it's it's a bit more objective. Like every you know Olympic cycle, there's criteria put out by, I guess like the you know international. I, I actually don't know. I, I might, I'm probably gonna misstate this, and <laughs> no one calls me on it. I, like enough. either like Close enough. <laughs> you know, the International Olympic Committee or like the sort of world you know track and field sort of federation. Like um, you know, there's sort of like that criteria and then Canada, you know, Athletics Canada, our national track and field body, they sort of take that and sort of make it their own. So yeah, there's say, say the 1500 meter event I did, um, there'd be criteria and, and it's, it changes every cycle sort of. So it's even like what it was when I did it is different than how it is now. You know, at a simplest, what the way it used to be is like you, you have to run a certain time or meet a certain standard in your event. Um, usually you have to do that, you know, once or twice, depending on what the standard is. You know, they might have like an A standard and then a slightly slower like B standard. And, you know, so you have to like meet this time standard and then you have to be usually like top three or something like that at nationals. So you kind of have to like, you know, show, show that you can perform in competition and, show that you're capable of running this certain level. That's pretty much it. It seems simple. Uh, there's somehow there's always complications with it, but <laughs> always controversy, but. And the way that you accomplish that is just by entering competitions throughout, because you mentioned Europe as well. Like yeah. do you have a, a manager or an agent or someone who gets you into these competitions? Cause I imagine that there's probably quite a high number of runners trying to, you know, make it at that level. So like how, how do the logistics of that work? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, once you get to a certain level, like a lot of athletes will have an agent who helps get them into races. Um, I, I never, I never did, but th there's like various racing opportunities throughout North America and Europe. There's, you know, some are very high level and you really need an agent. And then some are like sort of, they're almost like all comers meets, but you know, as an example, like Belgium had like a series of races that a lot of North American athletes would go and do. It was always pretty comical actually. Like you have all these Americans and Canadians going over to Belgium to race each other. Seemed kind of stupid, but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so anyway you you know you kind of know the races to go to and you know the the quality of races um and you do that and i guess the the idea then is if you make the time or times or you know the gradient like the variation there then you get selected by i guess like the olympic committee or 
you know, I think it's like your national body, like Athletics Canada will sort of select you and submit your name to uh, Olympic committee or something. Like basically like your national body chooses who goes. Okay. And what's the, so how old are you at this point? You're, you're 20, like 25, 26? Mid twenties. Yeah. And what's the, and I imagine is age a big factor when it comes to running or is it kind of one of those things there's a bit of flexibility? I would say, I mean, it, it really actually depends on the event. Generally speaking, like, you know, sprinters are a bit younger, you know, marathon runners will be a bit older, you know, middle distance somewhere in between, but you know, there are certainly outliers, where, you know, young guys who run really fast, 1500s old guys who run, run really fast but generally speaking i say mid 20s is kind of like a prime age for something like middle distance and so you you're doing the competitive circuit for several years and what's the outcome of that i guess like i you know some years went better than others um 2011 was a really good year for me i i I ran what still my personal best in the 1500 meter and I, I did get to go to the world championships in Korea that year for with team Canada so that that was like you know my first senior national team you know I raced uh raced against guys uh, well like I, I did race against the guy who won the gold medal in the Olympics the next year um yeah like it, it was a really really amazing experience like still one of the best experiences of my life and definitely you know felt like it set me up really well going into 2012 into the olympic year but uh, uh you know as as it goes like 2012 uh for me the olympic year it just it kind of just anything that could go wrong did go wrong like it just it just wasn't a good year uh for you know various reasons and what was the response to that then? Because obviously now like the the profession that you're in is not, you know, it's not running, it's in pharmacy. So when did, I'll just put it to you like this, when, when were you kind of forced to make the decision like, okay, like I got to switch to something else or, you know, stick with it and see what happens. Like when, when did you kind of come to that crossroads? Um, so, I mean, I guess after 2012, like, um, you know, after, when I did make the Olympics, like I, 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 I just hated running. I hated everything about everything. <laughs> I was just not in a good place. And I, I, for a long time, I was pretty confident that I would be happier if I kind of stepped away from running and believed it was the root of all my problems. And <laughs> more or less, I was right. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, well, you know, after 2012, I kind of just, you know, even though I, I probably could have come back for for more, like, I just didn't want to keep doing it and um, needed a break and needed something different. So, um, so, yeah, after that, I kind of, and I really didn't have any plans for my life at that point. Like, it had been like three years since I graduated university. I had this biochem degree that I'd never used and honestly didn't want to use it at that point. I didn't. I wasn't interested in the kind of jobs you get with a biochem degree. And um, so, uh, so I actually, I, I got my real estate license and I went into real estate in Victoria. Um, and 
and yeah, it was, I was really happy actually to leave running at that time. I still kind of ran and, uh, more casually and I still did some training on my own and was still part of the Victoria running community, but, um, it, it was actually quite a relief to, to be out of like the high level running. Um, I think at, at that point, like I, I, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things, like if, if you don't, if you're trying to, you know, get to that high level and it is your, your life and you hate it or you don't love it, you don't love everything about it. Like you just, you can't do it. You can't be successful at it. Like, you know, you, you can't, you, I really don't think you can be successful at something you <laughs> hate doing, you know, certainly not that level. Um, and, uh, so, so yeah, it was, it was a good time to step away from it and try something different. Well, and, and that makes sense. And, and actually it's funny, we were watching, um, cause we're, we're quite the, there's a big UFC event, uh, at the time that we're recording this podcast, it'll be tomorrow. So we're just kind of watching some old UFC, uh, like promos and, and fights and whatnot. And we watched the one where uh, George St. Pierre came back from like four or five, six year. I can't even remember, but it was, he, he, he was uh, the welterweight champion, arguably best, best fighter of all time, like in the UFC. And then he just walked away pretty much in his prime, really. I mean, he just walked away, you know, he had like 10 title defenses in a row, just a total phenom. And just, that was it, just walked away. And then he came back. Uh, years later to fight uh, Michael Bisbing at the middleweight division. So one weight class heavier and uh, GSP, you know, looked amazing, came back and won. But, um, you know, I've heard interviews with them talking about, you know, like, why'd you leave? And kind of reminds me too, like when MJ left to play baseball for, you know, a year and a half or whatever. And, and uh, George described it in the way he's like, you know, I hated it. Like it just, the toll that it took on me, you know, of course, physically, I mean, that kind of goes without saying, but mentally, you know, you just kind of eventually, I think, and everybody's breaking point or maybe not breaking point, but, but everybody's threshold for putting up with bullshit, I think is just different. You know, everybody's just the way that they think's different. And I mean, it's totally reasonable. It make it makes sense why that would happen in that way. You know, it's just, just kind of, it's time. It's just time, you know, <laughs> let's go try something else, you know? And, and how did you get into the real estate? Cause that seems like such a, like just really out of left field. Like what, what was the introduction for you into that? Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty random. Um, <laughs> but actually my, my partner, her, uh, her mom, or her family really like her, her mom's a realtor in Victoria and her, her dad builds houses. Like, I spent a lot of dinner time, uh, <laughs> had a lot of dinner time conversations about real estate. And, um, you know, it was kind of just this thing, like I didn't have to go back to, didn't really have to go back to school for it. Like I sort of did my real estate licensing course while I was in Arizona, um, just online. And I don't know, it was like, you know, I didn't have to pay a big tuition. Like it was just something I could do. It was something that I felt like would, sort of challenged me, um, like pushed me out of my comfort zone and, you know, something that was very different from anything I'd ever done in my life that I felt like, um, you know, I felt like I could gain social skills and like, uh, you know, like 
skills that I felt I didn't have, like really having to push myself to be sort of extroverted, hustling realtor. <laughs> yeah. Like it was so different from anything I'd done. And I just, I don't know, I kind of just went for it. Um, and how'd yeah. that go? <laughs> pretty bad, pretty bad in the end. I mean, it was honestly a really horrible time to be a realtor. Like, you know, it, this was like around, what you know, end of 2012, going to 2013. And, um, you know, we think of like 2008 is like the big, you know, crash and, but like honestly, the 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 housing market was still like kind of at the bottom at that point, like truly the bottom, worse than two thousand eight. And um, you know, when I was in Victoria at the time, like our month to month sales were like you know literally the lowest in like twenty years. Like just looking at you know volume of sales, like it was a horrible time. You know, I you know I had colleagues. Uh, you know, that I worked with who, you know, were much more experienced and been around a long time. And, you know, they were struggling too. Like it was a truly bad time. And it, it's, you know, even worse when you're a brand new realtor, you're young, you know, I had never bought anything. What, what do I know? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it was, it, the first year was really, really tough. And, you know, I had to work, you know, in addition to real estate, I was doing like random other jobs, like, some like landscaping or helping my, you know, helping my partner's dad with like some, you know, minor construction jobs for guys like me who don't have construction experience. And, you know, I did some like, uh, helped um, a colleague with uh, this tourism business that she had with like cruise ship tourism in Victoria. Like, I don't know, it was, it was hard. It's kind of nice. I gotta say like, it was a very different kind of struggle than what I was used to with running it, it was the kind of life struggle where like if you don't make money you <laughs> literally don't survive like you know I, I really had to like dig deep to like make it work and that, that was something I never had to deal with before like you know it's so, it was funny like I think about you know the struggle with running and uh, you know what's the struggle to like you know run a certain time or make a team or whatever but truthfully it was like you know, sort of a comfortable living in, in a sense that like, I, you know, I would have funding. So I was being paid just to run, like how, how nice is that? You know, so it was actually like, it actually, for as hard as that first year was after running, um, it actually gave me a lot of really good perspective that I, I think would have been good when I was running, like, you know, kind of just better perspective on like really having to dig deep for like to, to survive sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a good point. Cause what, yeah, what you're saying is right. It's like, yeah, okay. You're, you're running. And of course, like you want to be sure that you're hitting your objectives and all that. But like, if you don't, it's not like, it's not like you're going to be homeless or something. You know what I mean? Like there still is sort mm -hmm. of, um, there's a bit of a cushion to fall. Like you don't want to fall obviously, but if you did, there's a cushion there. But where once you're kind of outside that confined zone and now it's the real world, you know, quote unquote, you know, man, that's some good motivation. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And how long did that go, go on for? So you did, so the first year and then a year or two more of that. Yeah. So, I mean, I did a year. Well, sorry. Um, after my first year, like, uh, you know, 
when things were just, you know, um, I, I just like was really struggling. I, you know, I kind of knew like, you know, I, I need to sort of think about like, you know, okay, is what am I doing with my life? Like, this is, you know, probably not sustainable and, you know, maybe not something I, I actually want to do for the rest of my life. So it kind of just snowballed into, you know, me deciding to go back to school and do a pharmacy degree. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, I really tried uh, to find work with my biochem degree and I, I couldn't get anything. I mean, I, I was just unemployable. I talked to literally, literally like every, you know, every business or, you know, place that might potentially hire someone with a biochem degree and I just could not get work. And, um, and so, you know, I had to think like, you know, can I, you know, upgrade this somehow? Can I get some kind of technical degree or something like something that makes me employable And it? Yeah. It kind of just was like, you know, if I'm going to go back to school for a little bit of time, why not go back to school for, you know, four years, get a degree that I actually want. That's, you know, going to be the thing I, I enjoy doing for the rest of my life. So, um, so yeah, it kind of snowballed, but, you know, pharmacy sort of became that thing that was, felt like it sort of, I mean, I enjoyed biochemistry uh, for sure. I enjoyed the content. Um, I just didn't really like sort of the jobs that you use it for. Pharmacy to me was like, I can use that knowledge with biochem, but it's a sort of practical application and and I also found like through my time in real estate, I, I actually, um, you know, I, I enjoyed working with people that sort of client relationship, like feeling like I'm helping people. And um, so pharmacy was in healthcare, I guess, was kind of like that opportunity. So, so yeah, I, yeah, I really like, it, it had been like five years since I was in school. And so reapplying to pharmacy was it was, it was intense. Like you had to write like an entrance exam, which they don't have anymore, but it's called the PCAT. And it's kind of like the pharmacy equivalent to the MCAT. And, you know, I had to like relearn calculus, which I hadn't seen <laughs> since like first year university. So at that point, like literally like 10 years. And, but, um, you know, I think certainly like, you know, kind of like a lot of what we've been talking about here, you know, it's, um, just one of those things like I was very motivated for and my experience with sports and sort of my experience the year before with um, real estate and sort of having to like dig deep to, to succeed kind of benefited me in applying to pharmacy school because I just, I just went so hard on, you know, getting ready for like the PCAT and that, that went well. And then like preparing for the exam or um, for the uh, like interviews when I got that. And so, um, yeah i mean it it was like a big life shift going from everyone always asked me like wow real estate to pharmacy how did you come across that but in a sense it was more like coming back to a science sort of focus thing but mm -hmm. but yeah it was uh i i think uh when i, I actually talked to like a like a career counselor at uvic around that time and and they were kind of like um <laughs> They, they were kind of like, you know, talking about baby steps. Like it's really hard to do pivots, like really like big career pivots, I guess. Um, so I think I proved them wrong, <laughs> but it did take was, a lot of work. I always find that so funny. Um, kind of like you just said there, like with the, 
like, oh, it's kind of hard to pivot, you know, do a major shift like that. And it's like, well, says who? Like, so, like, who's saying that? Because for what reason? You know, like, I have to do something. So I might as well. And actually, you know, I would even say for you, it doesn't really seem like a major pivot. What it sounds like, which is what you just said, you're kind of coming back to where you were with that biochem degree rather than, you know, if anything, the real estate was the major pivot, not so much, let's go into the, you know, let's go back into the pharmacy, but yeah, always, always interesting to hear <laughs> advisors or whoever, you know, pe people's opinions on that. But, and where did you go to, was it UBC? Yeah. So I, I went to UBC and uh, for their pharmacy program and how I applied there. And so right. I got in. <laughs> And what was that like? So were, would you have been, you probably would have been a, a bit older than your, the, like the, the other people in the, in the class, right? Cause I. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was way older. Yeah, that's right. So how old were you then? Um, I don't know, like 28 or so. Okay. So it's not too bad. And they would have been well, that, what, that, like 25? I was like, like 10 years older. Um, oh really? Well, I guess so. Yeah. 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 This there were some people who literally did like one year of college after high school and then applied and got in. So, yeah. oh, I see. Um, That's right. Yeah. So yeah, some some were pretty. Some literally couldn't couldn't attend our pharmacy. You know, parties <laughs> in the uh, the pit, the the on campus bar because they weren't old enough yet. And what was that like for you? Like, did you find that at all? Um... Cause I mean, you know, you're there for your degree, but was that something that you, you noticed at all? Like, well, I guess in a good or bad way. I mean, I'll be honest. I, I think I crushed it. I mean, I, it was like a really funny thing, you know, like normally you go to university straight out of high school and you're, you're so stupid at that age. You don't know anything. Agreed. Um, <laughs> your first time leaving home, you're trying to figure out how to cook. You're trying to figure out how to do your laundry. Um, this was like, I had all the knowledge of having gone through all that, having, you know, succeeded and failed in my life at various things, having worked, having had to struggle, like going back to school was like, oh my God, this is so easy. Like I just get to sit in class. I get to hang out with, um, you know, friends, uh, people who, you know, were friends. And um, I started running again. Like I started training with like a, elite group here in Vancouver like it, it was like really good times I felt like it was sort of like a do-over where I, I had all this knowledge and experience um I was able to bring that um to to school and I and in even like you know when I started running again seriously like um more seriously I it you know I had totally different perspectives on it all and um it really like yeah, it, it was, it was good. Like everything really sort of came together. I think, you know, having struggled for through running the previous years and through career and real estate, very short lived career in real estate. And so, yeah, it was, it was like, it was nice to come back to some success and just, yeah, being able to apply everything I'd sort of learned throughout the previous 10 years to school again. And so four years pharmacy, Yeah, four years. Four years. And then what was, so I guess when you're approaching the end of, of final year, what, what were you thinking as far as what you're going to do after when you graduated? 
when when I first like applied to pharmacy school, like I as far as I knew, there was really only like community pharmacy, um, sort of you know the pharmacy that most people think of when they think of the pharmacist. Uh, but then I, I I learned that there's this whole other area of pharmacy in you know in um, like hospital, where you're sort of you know, you're a bit more in- integrated into the healthcare teams and you know if, um, you think of like you know patient's journey like <clears throat> so it may starts with a problem and a diagnosis and you know prescription and then they go to the pharmacy and they get that prescription well it's, if you're a hospital pharmacist you're you're actually at or sorry i should say if you're a community pharmacist you're at the end where everything's kind of been done and now you're you're providing the patient with this medication but if you're in the hospital um you're sort of actually at the top of the the start of that where you're working right there when the diagnosis is being made and you get to <clears throat> sort of influence that decision and you know what medication the patient goes on and um whether they even need to go on it and like it it's I, I was really excited about that when I I think in my first year when I learned that was a thing and so so yeah so I the way it works if in um in BC there's we sort of have a grading system in in hospital um sort of uh you know if you're a grade one pharmacist if you, that's like you've graduated you've just done the pharmacy program at school and you can work in the hospital and you're sort of um you're, you work more in the dispensary if you're a grade two pharmacist you get to be you're more um sort of hands-on on the wards uh, more of a clinical role and very little time in the dispensary and but to do that you have to do a hospital residency program which is like a one-year sort of one-year program uh sort of like a one-year practicum basically and then there's higher grades beyond that, um, depending on your sort of training you've had. So for me, I was really focused on sort of that grade two so, um, sort of pharmacy work where you're, you're really clinical. And so of course, to do that, you have to do this hospital residency program. So by the time I was graduating, actually, like, I mean, it's really competitive to get into. And, um, but in my fourth year, that's when you sort of do the um, application to the programs and so by like halfway through fourth year, I knew I was sort of set to go into it um, here in, in Lord, it's the one I did is the lower mainland, um, but all the health authorities have their own residency program. So like if you're on the island or, you know, interior health or Northern health, that kind of thing. And where did you do your residency? Um, so I did mine with lower mainland uh, pharmacy services. So primarily I was at VGH but I also had rotations at um, like St. Paul's hospital and in Vancouver here and um, Abbotsford hospital at actually when they're like their heart function clinic. And so yeah, you, you kind of rotate like month, you do month long rotations at various, various hospitals or sites and various wards. And what was that experience like? Cause I know the residency program, they, especially at the hospitals, they, they put you through the ringer. They, they really push you. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, they, they definitely do. Um, I, for, for me, so, you know, I mean, talking about, you know, I really feel like school went very well for me, but um, yeah, the residency program did not go well. It was, uh, you know, I felt like for me, it was kind of a disaster, but, you know, for various reasons, uh, it was something I just really, really struggled with. Yeah. Which, which sucked. It was, it, it was, it was a bad time for me. <laughs> what were sort of the challenges that you found going through the program? I mean, yeah, the, you know, the res- with residency, I mean, 
it's, it is hard. Like you, you're sort of, you have so much work to do, you know, it'd be one thing if you just had your, you know, your time when you show up to work, you're, you know, you're on the ward, your patient load, but you know, on top of that, you have, you know, a project that you're working on, you have, you have to do this three hour presentation on a various topic throughout the year. You have this, um, you have to do a patient case presentation for, for, you know, with all the residents, which is, you know, another big deal. Like you, you have all these things. They, they sort of pile as much work as they possibly can on you. And then in addition to that, like the jump from school to sort of hospital pharmacist is, is very big, you know, with, the pharmacy program at that university, like it's, you know, it's where, where the sort of split is like, I don't know, I think they say like something like 80% will go into the community and, you know, maybe another 20 or 15%, something like that will go into hospital practice. You know, it's, it's really geared towards working in community. So when you get to the hospital, like you, 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 you're responsible for learning a lot more information you know, and it's no, it's, it's, it's a, it's a lot more than what you learn in school, I, I guess. So you're also expected to keep up with a lot of, you know, very fast paced learning as well. And for, for me, it was just, you know, it was, it was hard to keep up and it was kind of like, you know, my very first rotation, um, first clinical rotation on a medicine unit, it, it went really bad, like really, really bad. And, and it kind of set me on this path of like sort of a struggling resident and, you know, various factors of like, you know, it's sort of like, um, you know, even as I was struggling, I, I was sort of treated as a struggling resident, which almost itself became very detrimental. Like it became very, you know, self-fulfilling in that, you know, um, it's like, it, it, I was struggling to keep up with everything, but then my confidence was just, just gutted. And, um, and, and it just became really hard to, hard to succeed. Yeah. It just, uh, yeah, it just, it took, I mean, it took such a psychological toll on me, like nothing I had, you know, had ever really experienced before. Like, you know, even as like, a you know, successful athlete, um, you know, successful in pharmacy school like this really like it really really took me back uh you know cut me down it it was like one of the you know really one of the first times in my life I think where like I was really you know struggling to succeed at something to, to the point where I was like questioning whether I really would even you know be able to succeed to get through residency well, talking about those mental barriers, right? I mean, it sounds like one of them for you going through that program was now you start to identify like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm a struggling resident. Like it's almost like once you fill that role, once you, uh, um, yeah, once you fill that role mentally, it does have that self-fulfilling prophecy because then it just seems like everything works out in that way, you know, which can be that can be detrimental, you know, certainly if you don't, uh, not just psychologically, but then when it comes to your actual performance, you know, that's going to have mm-hmm. a, a negative effect. W- would you say the, when you got into the, the residency program, would you say that it was the issue started because you weren't 
um, fully aware of the, how much of a jump it would be? Like, was that one of the things that was just like, like, yeah, you think, okay, yeah, it'll be more difficult than university, but then it's like, oh, this is way more <laughs> difficult. Was that one of the things that kind of kickstarted everything? Um, I mean, you know, I, it's hard to say. It's, it's really hard to say. Like, I think, I, I don't know if there's anything that could have really prepared me for it, to be honest. Like, you know, even, you know, not that I thought it would be easy, but I just... Uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't realize, I didn't think that I would struggle as much as I did. You know, I guess that, that was a big thing. Like, you know, there's very few things in my life that I've ever really struggled with. Like, um, you know, even when I talk about real estate, like honestly that my second year in real estate actually went a lot better than my first. Like I started to get some momentum and, you know, so even that was something that where I started to overcome that and, yeah, you know, I, I felt like you know, I'm pretty lucky where in a lot of things in life and kind of have some baseline level of talent that I can get by. But but yeah, with with this, it was like nothing I could do could, you know, keep my head above water here. So yeah, I, I, I don't know. It well, and I imagine too, like the the so it's a 12 month residency in total? Yeah. Uh, yeah, about that. Right. And so I imagine the fast paced nature of that, if you fall, maybe not even if you fall behind, but even um, it's almost like it goes by so quickly. It's kind of like, you know, if you got two, if you got one thing to do today and you don't do it tomorrow, you have two things. It kind of almost seems like that could be what happened, but it just at a much more stressful and, expanded level <laughs> is what it sounds like <laughs> yeah yeah you know it's just uh there's just always something there you know um you know it's like uh you know if i started to get my feet under me um with my clinical rotations you know we had an oral exam and i you know i didn't pass the oral exam and so then it's like you know now it's like i'm i'm, I'm back to square one like it, it was just uh yeah i just i really like you know, I just never had enough time or enough, you know, enough opportunity to build my confidence. And like, nothing I did was, 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 was helping it. Yeah. I don't know. It was, um, yeah, it, it was, it was very hard. On the previous, uh, well, I think it's a, a few episodes. Well, it is a few episodes ago now, but um, the one with uh, the MCDP7 that I recorded with uh, Vincent Plana. So the MCDP7 is a Marine Corps document um, about learning. And they, well, and all the, you know, the, the relationship between competence and confidence is one that does change things if you can understand that. I mean, I, I think um, I had the sort of similar experience what you're describing in third year at a much lesser, um, you know, level, but it was, I wasn't really prepared for the jump between mentally. I wasn't really prepared for the jump between second and third year. And that first semester was not the best because the confidence side just wasn't, I believe the competence side was there, 
but the, the, the confidence wasn't. And so that's going to have, you know, there's a relationship between those two things. And, and if you're too, too much or too less on one or the other, that's going to have a, an influence. You're just going to, it's going to detriment your performance. And that's tough to deal with because how are you supposed to work on your confidence when you don't have enough, like, you know, that it's like, Oh shit, I got to do something over again. Like, that's really difficult. It just becomes this revolving door where you're just kind of spinning around and <laughs> you're not really getting anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They, they definitely go hand in hand. And so near the end of that, then, um, what kind of turned things around for you? Um, I don't know. <laughs> We're still I, turning. <laughs> I, I just, yeah, I just scraped through. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, so I guess like, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I, I saw. I'll tell you what, what I, you know, did end up doing or what sort of happened. Like in, in the end, you know, the the only thing, the thing I sort of, I got through everything. It's just this oral exam that you have to do, and uh, you get three tries, and I, I, I didn't pass it twice. So I had one final chance, and you know, my, my schedule for residency was kind of unusual or, or a little not, not ideal given that the oral exams in the second half and my second half of residency was kind of a weird schedule. Like I had various time off and I, my very last rotation was a pediatric rotation. And so kind of preparing for this final attempt at the oral exam in a pediatric rotation wasn't really ideal. So, um, so I kind of, um, I had this, this bonus rotation, um, at a, it was sort of um, um, like a geriatric sort of long-term care place. And, uh, and I just, I guess I, you know, I, I really dug deep for this. Like it was out in, uh, uh, I want to say like, um, uh, like Maple Ridge. And uh, I, you know, I got an Airbnb out there. So I didn't have to come <laughs> every day. I, you know, so I could just be at the hospital or at this little basement suite all by myself and every, you know, I go to work every day, uh, come home, I would just study all night, all by myself. Like I sort of pulled out all the stops. I just, I don't know. I, it was like, I just dug as deep as I possibly could. Uh, it, but you know what? It was, it was one of those, those moments where it was, it was a gut check. It's like, well, you know, you know, if, if I want this, this is what I have to do. Like, I'm going to have to, do more than I'm already doing, or I can decide that this isn't for me, or I'm not cut out for this and give up. And, and it was one of those times where like, I don't know, I guess I decided that it was worth it to me. And I just sort of dug as deep as possible. And yeah, I mean, the, the, and uh, yeah, you know, I, I, it's like, I, I also, uh, I was, I pulled out some motivational tapes. I know I was, I was shitting on that earlier about how I don't really <laughs> respond to it, but I, uh, I will say um, I, I am a big fan of Brian Tracy, if anyone's ever listened to him. Uh, but uh, you know what? And that, I will say that helped me a bit too. I had to sort of build up. It was sort of like, you know, we just talked about confidence and competence and how they go hand in hand. And it was like, you know, I pulled out all the stops. It's like built up competence by going home, having this place all to myself, just studying all night. And, 
having these, you know, Brian Tracy tapes to listen to <laughs> outside of that helped me build up some confidence. And I think that was kind of what got me to the oral exam because it, 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 it went fine. It went really well, actually. And, and I passed. But, you know, it was a funny thing where it's like at the time when I did the third or final attempt at the oral exam, it went so well. And it's kind of just like, you know, why was this so hard in the past? But I don't know, kind of goes back to what we've talked a bit about throughout this that, you know, sometimes it's psychological barriers can impede like, you know, physical abilities or in this case, you know, I guess maybe it's, you know, it's knowledge and whatnot, but like, it just, it's such a psychological block due to confidence and I just really couldn't get the best out of myself until the very end. Well, and, and it sounds like timing as well. I mean, you know, the fact, so when you, um, we'll say Maple Ridge, where were you living um, before you got that Airbnb for, for the month? Where, where was your actual residence at the time? Um, so here in Vancouver, um, living with my, my partner, she's, you know, she's working and, but it, it's, you know, it's hard when you're, you know, you have so much that you have to deal with day to day, like, you know, whether it's cleaning your house or <laughs> like, you know, your chores, right. You, you've got this life to live. You know, I, my, my girlfriend, you know, we gotta, gotta talk to her at some point in the day, right. <laughs> like, you know, it's hard. I think sometimes like you're, you've just got, you've got your life to live. So I kind of put all that on the side and just, you know, it's, it's like, you know, the people who go into a cabin, right. And in the woods by themselves and like, you know, they, they, they work on something like uh, they, they, they kind of that complete focus. It was like that idea, right. Like you remo remove all external distractions and just like, it allowed for me, it really allowed me to just focus 100% on this one thing and just, you know, just give it my best shot. And, and it worked. But, well, and uh, yeah. you had to, and I mean, I asked that question because I know you, so I knew what the answer to that was. But the reason I asked that was because um, you, I mean, and it's a good lesson, which is uh, what are you willing to sacrifice to get to where you want to be? And for you, you know, coming down to the wire, not, nothing wrong with that, you know, it could have been the first time or the third time, you know, the way I look at it really doesn't make a difference. It's just, okay, this is the situation and you sacrificed. I'm sure you would have preferred to have been, you know, at home and you have a girlfriend and, you know, like that's, that's very mm -hmm. positive stuff, you know? And so it's like, okay, you know, for the next 30 days or, you know, however long for this final, um, for the final leg here, you know, I got to basically pull out every stop and, you know, and, you know, even like you said about the, you know, motivational stuff, maybe you thought that was a bit corny at the beginning or whatever, but it's like, you know, I got to use every weapon at my disposal and sacrifice as much as I need to, to get to where I want to be, where I need to be really. And then, and then you get the result that you wanted. And then you even say like, oh, like, why was this, why was this so hard? Like, you know, I did it and did it well, you know? So mm -hmm. it's kind of funny how it, and on its timing too, you know, everybody's different and how they, you know, some people never learn. Some people just get smacked in the head with a bat repeatedly and they just never can figure out that they got to change it up to get to where they want to be. Um, mm -hmm. 
and it's good. And it sounds like, and I'm sure those life lessons from running and the real estate and, and, you know, all the things along the way, I'm sure those probably came into, you know, that, that was like, you're preparing for the exam, right. For, for life, you know, like those, those setbacks, those challenges, overcoming it, moving forward, you know, sounds like that's what prepared you to, um, you know, cause it sounds like you need, you, you knew what you needed to do and then you went and did it and it worked out, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, uh, yeah, definitely. You know, you draw on life experiences and yeah, I, I'm glad it worked out. I'll say that. And now you're doing, and now obviously the job that you're in is one that you enjoy doing and hopefully mm-hmm. is interesting and whatnot. <laughs> Very interesting. Yeah. I mean, I'll say, you know, the, the whole, my whole time in residency, you know, now it's funny because now I am a preceptor to residents or students and it definitely informed me and in how I, how I precept, you know, um, I think, uh, you know, definitely one of my takeaways from it is like, you know, how you, you can't, you can't just always criticize, you know, a learner, like, if they don't, people just don't respond to that. Uh, you know, you have to give them hope still. And so, you know, even, uh, you know, I had a, I had a student with me recently and, you know, at times I felt like I was pretty hard on him, but I also always made a point to, you know, mention when he did things well, or make sure he knows that he can do it. And, and I think that was like one of the things that I, I didn't get, you know, when I was going through is like, you know, I, I, I can take critical feedback. Like I'm happy to get it. And like, I try to use that to incorporate it. But at the same time, if you don't get any positive feedback or you don't, you know, when you do things right, you don't get that acknowledgement. It's, you just, it's like, you know, you just fall into this pattern. You, you start to always doubt yourself. And that's kind of where I got. And so it's for as negative an experience as it was like, it's, I feel like it's made me a much better preceptor now to when I have residents or students, um, just cause I can, you know, I know what it's like to be wrong. And so I, I feel like that's, that's helped me be a better, better preceptor to people. So, you know, with anything, with, with, with any failures and success, there's, there's always something to be gained from it. And it sounds like you enjoy doing that too now, like to be on the, the opposite end of it must be a, it must be cool because you probably, you know, reflect on how you were and then to be able to, you know, foster a uh, encouraging environment, an encouraging and informative environment for the student must be, that must be pretty, that must be a pretty cool feeling. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like it's, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, uh, it's almost competitive now. I feel like now I want to be the best preceptor I can be because of what I went through and just, you know, give these, you know, these students or residents like a really good experience. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's really satisfying. You see that progress, but also, you know, when you, you know, if you have, have a learner who's struggling kind of being, for me, being able to, you know, help get them through that in a way that I felt like, you know, I, I would have benefited from when I was going through it. It all comes full circle. <laughs> it does. No, that's great. And well, I mean, I think that's pretty much our time for today. Let's see, it went by pretty quick, but um, it was great to have you on the show and it's nice to see you and always a pleasure talking to you and thank you very much for being here and I hope you had a good time.
Yeah. Thanks for having me on, Marcus. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's fun thanks. to talk. Thanks so much, Jeff. Take care.